welcome to the Nittany Blues Podcast. By Penn State fans, for Penn State fans. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Vince. Nittany Lion fans, it is officially game week. Week one opponent at Purdue coming this Thursday. Vince Vidali, how do you feel about that? Hey, I'm feeling great, man. Uh, Thursday night, 8 p.m., Ross-Aid Stadium. I'm feeling good about this, man. Uh, so, uh, long story short, I got lots of energy. Last night, biked by Beaver Stadium, saw the barriers out, which... Totally brings you, you know, to that vibe of game days and Happy Valley and Beaver Stadium. Uh, went on my group ride, had one of my best group rides all year long. I also got, was riding, and the name of this mountain is actually called Purdue Mountain. And I had my best oh ride my up God. there ever. Uh, was number <laughs> two all time. So there's this app that cyclists use called Strava. And pretty much you use your GPS and it starts your timer from one point to the other and it'll like calculate your speed and stuff. And the group I was riding with, I was able to keep up with some cyclists that are better than me. I was able to hang on their wheel, got number two on the all time list up Purdue mountain. So I definitely conquered that mountain and uh, I'm hoping the <laughs> uh, Nittany lions come back and uh, conquer Purdue. Just uh, like I conquered the mountain and then the cherry nice. on top, uh, coming back from the ride, I was uh, biking by Beaver Stadium again on my way home. And, you know, the blue buses were there. It looks like the football players just had a practice in Beaver Stadium Tuesday night. They were walking out, looked all business. Um, I was actually biking behind one of the blue buses and there were some behind me. And so I ended up being like a part of the convoy. I'm like, this is pretty cool. Like, you know, I feel like an escort for <laughs> Yeah, I'm not not like a police officer on like a motorcycle. I'm on my 20, 20 pound bike and unarmed, but <laughs> you know, it definitely felt really cool to like be biking with uh, all the blue bosses on my way home and good stuff. And uh, for the record, I hope generally you are unarmed when you're riding your bike, but I'm not gonna uh, judge you either way. But I uh, I totally agree. Um, I love this time of year. It feels like kind of the lead up to a holiday like Christmas because Christmas is obviously such an awesome day uh, to spend with your loved ones. But the time leading up to it, like the weeks of like preparation and decorating and buying gifts and stuff like that, that's always so much fun too. So that's why I love this time of year so much because there's all this speculation, there's all this hype, there's all this discussion uh, just kind of in build up to what is uh, what we're most looking forward to, which is the return of college football. So we have a really jam-packed conversation for you today talking about Penn State's week one opponent, Purdue. Uh, so we'll get into that here in a couple of minutes, but we do want to start with a couple uh, sound bites of PSU news. So Vince, I know you have a lot on your plate that we were hoping to share this week, so why don't you kick us off? Yeah, we, we had some big news. Um, so some uh, Penn State triathletes have been doing some big things, uh, you know, as far as alumni base goes. Um, Jason West actually won a half Ironman in Chattanooga about a month or so ago, and he was like the North American champion. So that was a big race win for him. And he also got selected nice. for the Collins Cup, which if you're if you're a golf fan, it's kind of like very similar to the Ryder cup. So they have like a team American team 
a European team and then an international for the rest of the world. And pretty much six males and six females get selected for each team. So to have a Penn Stater and like top six triathletes is really cool. Also, one of my buddies, Matt Gunter, he won the overall age group half Ironman, half Ironman in uh, Roanoke, Virginia, I believe. I think it's called 70.3 Blue Ridge. So he won that. And then a few weeks ago, went to Milwaukee and he won both the Olympic and sprint distance overall age group national championship back to back two wow. national titles. So that's what we do at Penn State. We uh, win in all different areas. And just a shout out to uh, some of those guys taking care of business uh, in the water, on the roads, and on their feet. Wow, way to way to kick this off. So, got any other news to uh, kind of keep at the at the level of badassery? Is that badassery? You see Penn State's new basketball uniforms? I did, dude. They're fire. I love everything that's happening with Penn State basketball recently. Yeah, me too, man. And those uniforms are, you know, it's it's the cherry on top, man. It's 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 just great. I love that video they had on top of Mount Nittany. That is such a great view. So if you're like someone who's coming to your first Penn State game, definitely like the day before, the day after, if you can take a take a hike up Mount Nittany. They have a it's about half a mile uphill, but once you're up that hill, you have a beautiful view of Beaver Stadium and the BJC from that one lookout. It's a it's it's a great view. Any other news that uh, you'd like to talk about before we move on? Um, I don't think they should call it the Big Ten Conference that anymore. It should be called like the Big Money Conference. Uh, the Big Ten <laughs> signed a you know big media deal that averaged out between uh, I think about one point two billion dollars a year, which that's a lot of money. Just a cool one point two billion dollars <laughs> yeah, with just, a B. With a B. Imagine having that kind of money. But um, hey, that's what uh, you know. USC and UCLA coming to the conference potentially more in the future. Um, yeah, you know, that makes the media want to cover the games and they'll offer more money and have some competition. Uh, I did see, I think on maybe like PSU Barstool, I think Fox would have the early game, and then CBS maybe would have the like the second game, three thirty kickoff, and then at the end it'd be NBC at night. I think I saw some like Penn State with like NBC graphics type thing, which is uh, pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. I uh, And on top of that, did you see the video that CBS had put out with the Big Ten teams overlaying the CBS college football music? The like that, classic jingle? Oh, I think I did hear about it. I didn't see it, but I heard about it. Yeah, it's great. So check that out if you if you haven't yet. But uh, yeah, all great, all great points. So lots of exciting things happening with Penn State and with the Big Ten overall. So I guess a piece of news that I uh, would be interested in sharing, and this does kind of segue into our conversation about Purdue. You know, it's no secret that the Penn State running back room is pretty loaded at the moment, uh, just in terms of recruiting talent and things like that. Jaywan Sider, the position coach for the running backs has said that both Nick Singleton and Catron Allen are going to see quote significant playing time against Purdue and I think that's pretty telling about how much of an impact they've made on the program so far in the short time that they've been in Happy Valley and just how much potential that the coaching staff sees in them and the fact that you know I think the the, the word significant is 
no pun intended, significant because of how many running backs they have to cycle through. And so the fact that those two are going to see this kind of playing time this early on is, uh, I think it's pretty exciting. Oh yeah, definitely for sure. You know, when the coaches are saying good things, um, yeah, that's really exciting for the field. It makes you think there's going to be kind of a three-headed monster approach with Kevon Lee, Nick Singleton, and Katron Allen. That's that's and you have Devin Ford back there. Like that's so many yep. different th- so many different ways that they can attack you with that talented backfield. So yeah, that, that's going to be really fun to watch as a fan he- heading into uh, Week One here. Uh, so speaking of Purdue, do you have any exciting? Purdue football memories, either from your time at Penn State or, <laughs> oh man, as a kid. Yeah, so there's there's one that I did want to bring up, and it is from 2016. So it was the game in West Lafayette after the upset over Ohio State in the whiteout game, and Penn State put a 60 marker on Purdue as the offense just could not be stopped. And there was one particular play. I forget how many yards he ran, but Saquon took the ball, uh, bounced to the right, and uh, just kind of ran up the sideline for a score. And right before the play was called, Joe Moorhead, the offensive coordinator at the time, apparently said over the headset, hey, are you you ready to score here? Basically, just calling the touchdown moments before it happened, and Saquon just, you know, doing his thing and just uh, rolling up the field. So I, I love that. I think that just epitomized the 2016 team pretty nicely, just in kind of the confidence and just the swagger and uh, the the stride that they hit. So I, I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah, that team was definitely the uh, cardiac cats. They, they weren't great in the, the first half, but in the second half they would, you know, come guns ablaze and then just find a way to win the game that was just such a fun season to be a part of so what about you you got any uh purdue centric memories i think i've only seen them once at beaver stadium maybe twice i think i went when i was in college because i think i made it up for the purdue game and i was really excited because i got to watch brian kaiser play so that probably would have been maybe my sophomore year of college i couldn't go to many penn state games because we had our cross country meets on Saturdays uh, most of the time on the weekends, but I was able to come up with my family because they had tickets and it's really fun to watch him play and represent uh, the small town of Seals Grove, PA. Definitely really exciting to go there and support him uh, playing against. Was Purdue. he the, was he the starting safety at that point or was he still holding kicks? So at that point, I think he was holding kicks, and I think in their nickel package, he would be like the free safety, and one of the other safeties would move into the slot. Because he was Got it. he was on the field for some of the snaps, but wasn't a starter. Got it. Yeah. So you know, we'll we'll look more into Purdue here. Uh, we'll look at some all time matchup streak and streak stats. So we have uh, all time series. We actually have not played Purdue that many times. The all time series is, which is surprising. Yeah, which is surprising. You would think being uh, in the Big Ten, you'd think they would play them a lot, but being on opposite side of the teams of the division and Penn, so- Penn State joining the conference a little bit later than some other teams when they were an independent team. Yeah, so not too many games. Penn State leads 15-3 to 1, so 15 wins, 3 losses, and a tie. Uh, Purdue currently has a 9-game losing streak against Penn knock State. On wood. Hopefully, yeah, knock on wood here. Uh, their last win was in 2004. Uh, was that when, was Drew Brees playing at Purdue then? 
No, I think that was after uh, Drew Brees' time. But I do remember uh, 2004 Penn State was uh, not a very spectacular team. Mm -hmm. So I'm not overly shocked because I think it was around that time I was actually in attendance for a home loss against, I believe it was Toledo. I remember being there with my grandparents at the time. I mean, I was uh, 10 years old and I remember that game and everybody, nope, nobody was really happy for that game. So that particular time of Penn State football wasn't the greatest. They picked it up significantly the the year after, though, in 2005 with Michael Robinson, who is my favorite Penn State football player of all time, bringing in the likes of uh, Derek Williams, and you had Deion Butler in there as well. So that was was a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, so uh, like I said, knock on wood, hopefully the the game-losing streak does not stop at nine. Yeah. And was 2005 the year they won uh, the Big Ten before 2016? Was that the last time they won before 2016? Yeah, so they won it a couple of times. Um, I believe they won a share in 2005, and that's when they went to go play the Orange Bowl against Florida State. And then they won a share. I think it was a share of it again in 2007 or 2008, I think it might have been 2008, but they got the bid to go play the Rose Bowl against USC um, when Mark Sanchez and uh, Pete Carroll uh, were still there. So that would have been the last time before 2016 that Penn State was um, the Big Ten champion. That's awesome. Hopefully we can get another one soon. Yeah, that'd be fun. (laughs) Yep. And uh, last time we played Purdue was in 2019. That was uh, at home in Beaver Stadium, and Penn State had a lopsided win, 35-7. to Yeah, you and I were at that game, weren't we? Yeah, I think we might have been at that game. Probably easier to count the games that one of us, at least one of us, hasn't been to than the ones that we have been. Yes, especially uh, <laughs> past year or so. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully the this next week... Uh, Penn State will get a big win and keep all of our blood pressures low when we're watching. We <laughs> hopefully we highly don't need, doubt that. Need a, yeah, I, I doubt we're going to be uh, relaxed. Definitely going to have our blood pressure up like always with Penn State. So let's look back at Purdue and their 2021 season. And th- this is this is what has me worried. Uh, unlike you, I, I'm I am more on yeah. The so, side, so I think that that's a good uh, good callback to our previous episode so we talked about the 2022 season and kind of things that we're looking for some things that we expect and uh so just to kind of set the stage vince is a little more worried about this game than i am and uh so i'm sure we're gonna rehash some of the reasons why we feel the way that we do but just listening to this season recap in 2021 for purdue with that knowledge all right so their season, uh, they went nine and four. They were the Music City Bowl champions over Tennessee. It was a close game. Uh, here are their other wins: Oregon State at UConn, Illinois at number twenty-three Iowa, when they were ranked number two in the nation, knocked them off their pedestal. At Nebraska, win uh, at home over Michigan State, which beat Penn State last year, uh, over Northwestern in Wrigley Field, and at home versus Indiana. So those were their wins. And they're only four losses. Uh, they didn't have any bad losses last year. You have a loss at number eight, Notre Dame, which is probably a, one of the harder places to play in college football. They have a pretty big fan base. Uh, Minnesota at home, 
Uh, that, that was a close game, I think. Minnesota's no slouch. Uh, Wisconsin was ranked for much of the year. They lost at home versus Wisconsin. And then they lost at uh, number six, Ohio State, which not many people win in the shoe. So those are their only right. four losses. And that that's what kind of has me concerned that this could be a dogfight of a game. Yeah, yeah, I... Uh... I do agree. I think it's going to be pretty closely contested uh, through most of the game. I guess uh, the reasons why I'm a bit more optimistic about this game, just to kind of recount some of the last episode's notes. So one thing that we're going to talk about here in a second is the prolific passing offense that Purdue has behind quarterback Aiden O'Connell. He absolutely lit the world on fire last year um, against some big-time opponents, including the Music City Bowl win against Tennessee. But even with said passing experience, I'm optimistic that Penn State's secondary, uh, led by Jair Brown and a host of cornerbacks, uh, led by Joey Porter Jr., um, will be able to kind of limit those air yards and uh, at least uh, not necessarily shut them down, but just hold them off enough for, for our offense to do their thing and and score enough points basically. But um, anything else that you want to share about last season, or I guess maybe some like reasons why you're a little bit worried about this game uh, before we get into some Purdue players to watch? Uh, I I think you can go ahead and roll. Cool. As I said, the undoubted centerpiece of the Purdue football team at the moment is Aiden O'Connell. He is a sixth year player at the quarterback position through for over 3,700 yards last year. Um, and he had six games with more than 300 yards passing, including I believe more than 500 yards passing against Tennessee in that bowl game victory. So the guy is not afraid to put it in the air. Jeff Brom is not afraid to put it in his hands to put it in the air. And on top of that, he had really big wins um, against marquee opponents in number two, Iowa, and number three, Michigan State. Granted, Iowa kind of fell off after they lost at the number two spot, but, you know, two top five wins. And so I don't think it's uh, really unfair to say that he's going to come into this year with a lot of confidence and a lot of experience, uh, especially in Jeff Brom's system. Big loss, though, on the offensive side was David Bell, who got selected in last year's NFL draft, um, among a couple of other Purdue Boilermakers. But he was really kind of the safety blanket at the uh, wide receiver position. He had tremendous hands, just an absolutely productive receiver. So Purdue has had a a pretty good string of receivers in Rondale Moore and David Bell, and it looks like they're probably primed to have another really effective receiver in Brock Thompson. Uh, He had a really excellent Music City Bowl performance with 217 yards receiving, and uh, he was actually playing on injured legs, which required surgery after the season was over. So put up those kinds of numbers, uh, not at 100%. So he's coming back this year. So he's kind of looking like the prime candidate to kind of take up that torch as the bell cow receiver. But uh, Purdue has a couple of other receiving threats coming back this year in Payne Durham and Garrett Miller, who are both tight ends. Um, And they have uh, three offensive linemen, starting offensive linemen who are set to be back. Uh, However, they are going to probably be replacing their left tackle so that's possibly something of note as uh, Penn State looks to be pretty loaded at the defensive end position this year with the likes of uh, Adisa Isaac and 
incoming transferee uh, Chop Robinson uh, from Maryland. So, you know, that could be something to watch. Do you think? Uh, so, yeah, on, do you think Penn State gets a big win, big win in that area of the field? I do. I think that Penn State's defensive line is gonna be a lot healthier because they started 2021 with kind of a deficit because Adisa Isaac was injured before the season even began, so they weren't at full strength uh, even going into the season. Obviously, losing PJ Musifer was pretty damaging to the overall effectiveness of the defensive line in the second half of the season. So as long as all of those uh, key pieces stay healthy, I can see there being a lot of disruption throughout the entire defensive line this season. And I think that they might get off to a pretty fast start here against Purdue. Great take. So, uh, yeah, looking at the Purdue defense, um, they had a pretty... Uh, pretty good defense in 2021. They were 48th overall in FBS in total defense. And so looking at their rankings in passing and rushing, they were ranked number 30 in passing defense and 68 in rushing defense, which kind of makes sense because George Karloftis uh, was there last year at the defensive end position. So creating a lot of uh, chaos in the passing game. So really made his presence felt and he was a first round draft pick. Uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs, already making some noise in the preseason, so might see his name pop up a bit here in the NFL season. But they also have defensive tackles, Lawrence Johnson and Branson Dean coming back, along with uh, Jalen Graham, safeties Cam Allen and Marvin Grant, and quarterbacks Jabari Brown and Corey Trice. So they've got a couple of experienced players coming back for them on the defensive side, so I think it's uh, going to be a little bit of a strength versus strength battle going on with uh, some of Penn State's um, receivers now that Jahan Dotson is in the NFL. But I think Mitchell Tinsley has a lot of great experience coming in. I think Parker Washington uh, has some good time under his belt to kind of lean on. But I think, too, this is a great time to get the tight ends involved, you know, kind of create those mismatches with Brenton Strange, with Theo Johnson. So we'll see if, uh, like, how they plan to attack that Purdue defense and uh, what kind of sticks. So I think as far as, um, you know, what Penn State has to do on defense, just because Purdue's offense is so potent, really just starts with limiting the big plays through the air with a talented and and experienced secondary. So I'm really going to be looking for some solid play from Jair Brown, Joey Porter, uh, Kalen King in his second year, uh, Johnny Dixon, the uh, transfer from uh, South Carolina, Keaton Ellis at the safety position, among some others. So they got a fresh rotation of horses back there to really hang with uh, Brock Thompson and the Purdue receiver. So I'll be looking to see them not only break up some passes, but hopefully uh, take a few out of the air as it's early in the season. You know, I got the early season jitters, maybe get off to a slow start. And I think really alongside that is uh, just getting after the quarterback. Like I said, I think PJ Mustafer, um, Koziah Izzard, and Devon Ellis will be a really strong presence on the inside at the defensive tackle position. So would love to see them uh, get to the quarterback early and often and uh, that rotation at defensive end. So we'll see how that plays a part. But I think what's really key is not allowing the lack of experience at linebacker to be a huge factor, which if I guess if I had to say something I'm most worried about, it might be that considering that they do have two experienced tight ends coming back this season. So they might look to exploit that a little bit more. Uh, So we know that Curtis Jacobs is obviously very talented and they've got, they've got good young talent at the linebacker position in state college, but it is still inexperienced. So 
we'll see how that kind of plays out. But yeah, so that is kind of the breakdown of some players to watch from Purdue. There's some good production coming back from both sides. Obviously, Aiden O'Connell is kind of the centerpiece uh, to all of it. So if we're able to kind of get to him, um, I think we'll be seeing a lot of success defensively. But obviously, he's got a lot of uh, a lot of games under his belt, a lot of experience, and the guy just uh, knows how to ball. Probably between uh, him and Clifford, they're probably about as old as us. Yeah, that is. <laughs> yeah, you're you're right there. That is uh, a bit funny to think about. All right, so here's a question I have: Do you think uh, Purdue is a almost very similar mirror-like team to Penn State, maybe without the loaded running back room? Would you make that comparison? I think there's some hints of it. Yeah, I think. Jeff Brom has kind of really established himself as kind of a maximizer in the passing game. So has a little bit of like Joe Moorhead to him where he's going to throw in some trickeration, some play design that uh, teams really aren't used to seeing and just making the most out of uh, all of his receivers. So, I mean, you saw Rondale Moore going crazy. You saw David uh, David Bell catching everything out of the air. So I, I could uh, see a little bit of that in Penn State, um, especially if we see a Mike Yersich offense like we think we might see this season, just with kind of airing it out, getting the ball out to, uh, you know, all the playmakers and letting them do their thing. So I think there's there's some some hints to it. So I guess I would say they're more alike than they are not alike, if that makes sense. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's going to be really interesting because Penn State's going into this game and all they have is film from last year. That's all they can go off of. They're not going to have film on this year's team to kind of know what to look for. They'll know based off of last year, but not have as good as of film as if they were playing them in November. Yeah, that's very true. All right, so looking at some other factors that could influence the game, the weather is... Not looking too bad. We are far out, but uh, for the evening, it's looking like it's going to be low 60s, about 63 degrees, 5 mile an hour winds, 13 mile per hour gust, 3% of precipitation, so probably going to be pretty dry. So what do you think? How do do those weather conditions play to Penn State? Yeah, I think they're, uh, they're pretty favorable. I feel like early season games are usually a bit tricky uh with player health and like with cramps so yeah i just think that uh, kind of favors both teams yeah i think that's good too and obviously with both of these teams having a pretty good passing attack it seems like having those good weather conditions will make it easier for them to move the ball throughout the field yeah it'll definitely make for uh probably some more exciting football good yeah so potentially lots of points being scored in this first week yeah, I definitely think so. I think everybody uh, expects Purdue to kind of put up points after the monster season, or uh, I guess I should say um, after the very prolific passing season that they had last year, or the uh, prolific offensive season. Uh, so I don't think this year is really going to be any different in terms of expectations. Aiden, Aiden O'Connell is back, so they should be putting up points. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of points, uh, are you ready for some over-unders? Yeah, let's do it. And I think uh, just to let everybody know, this is something that we're probably going to be doing for each game. So just kind of throwing out some some numbers and some discussion around things that we that we think will happen during the game. All right, here we go. Um, points for Penn State. Do you think Penn State is going to be above or below 30 and a half points and why? Yeah, so you might be a little disappointed with some of my early answers here. I'm actually going to take the under on this one. And 
the reason for that is because it's early season game against a Big Ten opponent at night, weird Thursday night game on the road. Uh, some new pieces coming in. Jahan Dotson isn't here anymore. We're going to be trying to float in this rotation of running backs. And I sincerely hope that everything uh, comes together seamlessly and we come out like a rocket ship. But I've seen enough Penn State football in the early goings to kind of feel a little pessimistic that they're going to hit the 30-point mark. Okay. What about you? Do you do you think that they're going to just light up the scoreboard and like get, you know, five touchdowns on the board? Yeah, so what I'm what I'm kind of thinking is that they're going to probably be a little slow in the first half, maybe kind of have a big passing play to maybe Parker Washington or Mitchell Tinsley that goes to the house. But um, I could see them starting off slow and then really turning it on in the second half to get above that number. Okay. Well, I hope you're right. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> All right, at points against Penn State, I have 26 and a half. What do you think? Yep. Yeah, I'm going to take the under again. I've uh, planted my flag in that Penn State has a lot of experience in the secondary at the cornerback and the safety position. Uh, so I'll be leaning on or I'll be looking to them uh, to really control the pace of the game against uh, Purdue passing attack. I think that they're going to be able to limit enough big plays to keep Purdue probably under 24 points. So, you know, with that line of thinking, I'm going to take the under here. Taking the under. Okay. Um, so I'm going to take the over, and this is why. Uh, we have a new defensive coordinator this year. Uh, we, we've we had, yep. I would say, uh, maybe a, around a decade of ben, Brent Pry, and he's been great at uh, Penn State. He's brought us to the national or, uh, Big Ten championship game, and we won a Big Ten title. Had some great defenses beginning of the season, just like Coach, Coach Franklin said, playing championship level defense. Uh, how's the team going to look with uh, the new coach, Manny Diaz? Uh, yeah, I think that's the big question, Mark. I mean, he, all, by all accounts, you know, he's got the chops to really bring a highly effective defense uh, to Penn State. You know, it's just one of those things that we're not going to know until we know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like, for example, we thought Kirk Scirocco was going to be a great offense coordinator. And yep. then Penn State yep. really struggled offensively that season. So it's yep. one of those things that definitely uh, has me worried because going from Brent Pry, uh, can't really go much higher than Brent Pry. He did a great job here. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think he was just a rock at that defensive coordinator spot. And I think he's going to do really well at Virginia Tech. So I definitely see uh, your point with you know some of the attrition at the at the coordinator position and what that might mean. So I think they're, they're probably going to be leaning a bit on other coaches like uh, like John Scott across the defensive line and uh, Terry Smith and Anthony Poindexter at the cornerback and safety position, uh, respectively, to kind of uh, be those centerpieces that lay the foundation for him. So we'll see how it all comes together. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think that inconsistency at a coordinator spot is ever a reason for optimism. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one thing I do think Penn State could do to keep Purdue under that 26 and a half is if they force Purdue to field goals in the red zone. So if they just don't give up any explosive plays and then make stops in the red zone, I do think they have a very good chance to keep them under that number. And let's be honest, yep. that's things we've seen from Penn state's defense in the past. Uh, some of their yeah. better defenses, they bent 
but they haven't broken in the red zone and they hold their opponents to field right. goal. So that is one area where I am optimistic just based off of uh, past experience. Yep, that's a, that's a great point. All right, moving back to the offensive and rushing the football was a big struggle for this Penn State team last year. Uh, 149 and a half rushing yards. You think they get to 150 and over or below? I am going to be optimistic for the first time here and take the over. I have faith that this is the year that everything just clicks from the quarterback to the offensive line to everybody else on the offensive side of the ball, that this is the year where the loaded running back room just takes off running, no pun intent. I like the fact that we're going to be constantly bringing in fresh legs, kind of like the three-headed monster that the Eagles like to uh, throw out there at the running back position. Uh, So we have no shortage of talent uh, to put out there to get those tough yards or to do a change of pace back situation. So I actually like uh, their chances to you know find that 150 mark across the entire team. I think they might even find somebody who has the hot hand and kind of ride them, and they might find themselves getting like 80 or 90 yards. So I, I think there's a lot of possibilities, but I do like their chances to get over that 150. Yeah, me too. Uh, if I'm Coach Franklin, uh, I'm looking at this Purdue defense. It seems like the their biggest strength is in the secondary. So I, I think it's a good opportunity to uh, you know kind of give the offensive lineman the the keys to the car and be like, hey, take it, take us down the field and really use the talent that they have in that running back field because that's the probably the strongest area group on the team. Yep, so cover the ground, moving on to the air. Uh, passing yards for Sean Clifford, do you think he's over or under 249 and a half yards? Yeah, so I'm actually, I'm going to take the under here. And the reason is not because I don't think that he can get to that point if they threw the ball enough. I just think that they're going to uh, have kind of a very balanced offensive attack here that might feature the running game a little bit more if it is working effectively. I think if we saw, if we see some shades of 2021 Penn State where we're, we're struggling to run the ball and we need to get some points on the board, we need to make some movement offensively, uh, you might start to see some of those chunk passing plays that we saw at times last year. But like I said, I'm optimistic about the running game. So I think it's, we're looking at maybe around 200 yards passing for the game. That's just where my mind goes. I, that's kind of what I'm thinking too. I think it'll be a, a little bit bit lower, but you know, first game of the season can be tough. We'll we'll see how it goes. All right. Yep. Moving on to one of the most important aspects of football, the turnovers. Uh, for Penn State, do you have over or under one and a half turnovers in this football game? I'm going with the over, and uh, the main reason is because it's the first game of the season. You know, guys are still going to be getting their feet under them. Um, you're going to have some players on Penn State side and likely Purdue side. This is going to be their first time seeing Division One college football action. So I think you're likely going to see one interception on like an errant or a tipped pass. And I think you're going to see uh, somebody put the ball on the ground. So obviously, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that, uh, you know, ball security is something that's been, you know, highly emphasized throughout training camp but uh, i just think that early game is going to be a little sloppy from both teams so i like the over here okay i i think i'm going to take the under i think i'm going to go with only one turnover sean clifford's in his sixth year we have uh mike gershitz uh going to year two of the system i think we'll i think penn state could look sharp in this game it might start off a little slow but i think we'll do a good job taking taking care of the football in this game 
Yeah, but like I said, for for the points for, I hope you're right. <laughs> All right, on the other side of the law, looking at the Penn State defense, do you think they will force more or less than one and a half takeaways? Yeah, so I'm also going to take the over here. One reason being, uh, for the same reason as Penn State, it's first game of the season, so going to be working out some of the kinks with the offense. So, you know, some guys might run the route wrong, uh, leading to an easy pickoff. But I also just like the secondary's chances of just naturally grabbing one out of the air with how much experience and how much depth they have at the cornerback and the safety position. And I also like their chances of getting a blindside strip sack on the quarterback with the defensive end kind of coming around. So I think with those factors combined and just with uh, the early game um, factors involved, I like the over uh, with two or more takeaways for Penn State from Purdue. Yeah. If I was a betting man, I would bet too. Uh, I do believe in the Penn State defensive backs and in the red zone when you when you have less space to cover. I think uh, you know Purdue might be getting desperate. Maybe they're down, you know, seven or ten points trying to catch up. And I, I think our DBs will make some big plays in this game. All right, we were talking uh, nice. George Karloftis earlier. Um, how many sacks do you think? He get or Purdue gets against Penn State over or under two and a half. How how does our our offensive line hold up? Oh gosh, oh man, this is the hardest one so far. I'm going to tentatively say under. I think that, like I said, with the running game and with some of the other uh, points of discussion here, I think that this is the year that they put it together. Everything kind of clicks. So we're going to see some holes open up for the running backs. We're going to see Clifford staying on his feet more often and not running for his life. So I am going to cautiously take the under. I'm going to take the over for Penn State in this category. The offensive line. Which I think is totally fair. (laughs) The offensive line has to prove it to me that they can hold up against these pass rushing attacks. Keep your quarterback untouched in this game. Let's let's keep that white jersey white. Let's not let's not get it dirty, man. Let's uh, keep it nice and clean. Uh, however, they might throw some new wrinkles at Penn State that they haven't seen before on film. They might want to do it because it's a big game in Purdue. They're making that their blackout game where everyone dresses in black. So I yeah. think they might throw some of those new wrinkles, and that could give some of our offensive linemen fits. I think that's totally fair. And I think if there's like one coach who fits the description of might throw a few wrinkles in there. It's probably Jeff Brown. Let's go to the other other side of the trenches. So do you think Penn State gets over or under three and a half sacks with Adisa Isaac back? I'm going to take the under, but only slightly under. I think they get three in this game. I think they're going to create uh, some opportunities for themselves just with sheer talent, strength, and speed at the defensive end and at the defensive tackle position to create those sacks. But I think what's going to keep them from getting kind of that four and above number is Aiden O'Connell's experience and Jeff Brom's craftiness in the passing game. So I think they're, uh, if they start seeing some pressure on him early, they're going to start to get the ball out of his hands quickly, kind of get it outside to the receivers. So kind of let them do their thing uh, just to limit the number of times that Aiden O'Connell has put on the turf. So with those factors involved, I'm going to take the under here, but only slightly under. Okay. I think I'm actually going to go with the over again on this one. I think Penn State's going to get there. Uh, first game of the season, big opponent that everyone in the Purdue fan base wants to win against. I think he might be trying to make too many plays too early, and that could potentially lead to some early sacks. And then towards the end of the game, if they're looking desperate, trying to come back, 
if you're holding the football longer, you know, that can get you in trouble and force a coverage sack. So I, I think I'm going to trust Penn State's defensive line to get there and go over on that one. I'll take four. Awesome. So that ends our, that concludes our over-under segments. Uh, so we have a tradition at our tailgates. We call it communion that we partake in very religiously. So um, it started off with you, Andrew. You would give, uh, we would sing <laughs> the uh, Fight on State song. And yep. then we would make a prediction about the game and we would take a, a small communion shot. So we'd use those small communion cups and take little shots of fireball out of those every yep. hour on the hour. So that was always a, a good trip. That was a good tradition. We, we added last year to our tailgates after the COVID pandemic yep. and getting back. It was so nice to be back and have that fun tradition. So we're going to have a communion prediction on the podcast here. One thing I, I think what's a, what's kind of important to to note about these communion predictions too is that they're usually pretty out there. So they're not uh, very conservative. Like we're gonna have like two touchdowns in a game. They're usually like Sean Clifford's gonna throw for three hundred yards and and have four touchdowns through the air. You know, there's something that we would just love to see because it's just awesome for Penn State. Yeah, absolutely. It, so these predictions are maybe like okay, we think there's like a twenty five percent chance this would happen. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's pretty fair. Yeah, but we, we, we have a lot of fun. One of these years, uh, this past year, I forget which game it was. Maybe it was the Auburn game. And uh, I gave a, a very similar speech to like Jason Kelsey when the Eagles won the Super Bowl parade. And he said what was like wrong with every single player and why they couldn't win. I did like the same thing with Penn State. And then I think it was before the Auburn game. And then we beat Auburn at home. So that was definitely a fun day to be tailgating for a Penn State football game. Amen to that. All right, so for my communion prediction here, we we see we've seen the hype videos. I have Nick Singleton over 100 yards rushing. Here's why I think he's going to achieve that mark. Even though I think Kevon Lee is going to get the most carries, I think Nick Singleton is the most likely candidate to break a big big run for 40 or 50 yards. And if he gets a couple big long runs like that, I think he could hit that 100 number. That's my big predict prediction. Do you have a communion prediction, Andrew? I do, and it's uh, going back. Uh, I'm probably going to sound like a broken record at this point, but it goes back to the secondary. My communion prediction is that Penn State is going to have four interceptions in this game, and I think three are going to come from the secondary, and one is going to come from the linebackers. Those are some great predictions. I, I hope those both happen on, uh, <laughs> yeah. on Saturday. So, final score. What do you got? Yep, so I think that you know, it's not going to be like a, like a 50 to 45 kind of barn burner type of game. I think it's too early in the season. However, I think there's enough uh, talent on both of the, these offenses to put up some points. I think it's uh, really just going to come down to who can limit who uh, defensively. So with that being said, I'm going to take a Penn State win 28 to 20. Great. I also have Penn State winning. I'm, I'm going to have them at 31 to 27. All right, so you heard it here first, folks. Uh, we're both predicting a win, uh, so we'll uh, we'll see if we're hopefully right. But uh, yeah, so hopefully all of you out there feel confident about this game, whether you're a bit more optimistic like me about our ability to limit Purdue or if you're kind of worried about some of the ghosts of the past kind of popping up like Vince. Either way, I think we're in for a fun start to the season. Obviously, it's a bit unorthodox with the Thursday night start, which Vince is on the record as saying is, uh, quote, abysmal. But either Asinine. way, it's uh, 
or yeah, asinine, sorry. But uh, yeah, obviously there's some strong feelings there, but uh, I think we're all very excited to finally see the blue and white take the field again. But uh, yeah, so I think we've talked a lot at length here about Penn State, but are there any other games kind of happening around uh, the college football landscape that you want to bring attention to, some games that Nittany Lion fans might want to be looking for? Yeah, we got a couple of Big Ten matchups coming up in this one. We have on Saturday when we can't watch Penn State, we might as well watch all these other games with all this free time we have on Saturday <laughs> all of a sudden. so Again, because of the asinine Thursday the night start. The asinine Thursday night start. Um, I feel like that's going to be a running joke now. <laughs> that's, just, that's just what I'm going to say for everything. Like any media <laughs> and like any time the game's not when I want it, it's just asinine. <laughs> You're going to be like the Stephen A. Smith of the Nittany Blues podcast. Yeah, I'm just going to come with like a different word every single week. Like a, some word Love that's it. out there. All right, so yeah. a couple games that are happening uh, in the Big Ten West. We have uh, Nebraska and Northwestern. That's going to be a big, a Big Ten game week one. We also have Illinois and Indiana. That'll be a Friday night matchup. Man, even Illinois and, and Indiana are getting better TV spots than us. That's not looking great. <laughs> we got to do better. And then the last one that I am really excited about, this is like the battle of like the two teams I hate the most in college football, Ohio state in the shoe versus Notre Dame. Who do you think wins that game? Ohio state easily. I honestly, like, I think there's too much hype around Notre Dame this season. I don't think they're going to be bad, but I don't think that they're top five material. And I think Ohio state wins that game handily. I do think Notre Dame's overrated. They play so many games in the ACC and, you know, playing those types of opponents, I just don't think it's to the quality of the Big Ten or the SEC. All right. Yeah, so obviously I think we're we're all going to be tuning into our TVs a lot this upcoming weekend just to watch Penn State and watch a couple of those other games with some intrigue with uh, some Big Ten matchups. Um, I personally love, you know, some of the early game matchups in the Big Ten that's been happening over the past uh, couple of years with Penn State starting at Wisconsin and some of the Big Ten matchups in week one this year. I think that's uh, that's cool for the Big Ten. I um, I just think that kind of follows the mold of like the SEC, uh, just kind of putting some some big matchups early. So I'm all in favor of that. But yeah, so I think we've we've talked a lot about, uh, you know, Purdue, some games to watch, some news. Uh, we learned a little bit of uh, about triathlons. But Vince, is there anything that you want to, to leave the folks here with uh, before we get into this Thursday night asinine matchup? <laughs> all right. Last thing I'll leave you with. What are some must-haves at your Labor Day tailgate? Ooh, well, I think the uh, the number one ingredient is summer shandy. Uh, summer because, shandy. You know, we're love, towards... I love love line and Google. Summer yep. shandy is like yeah, the best uh, drink. Enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah, right. I'm actually enjoying one right now. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, Vince and I are both big fans of it. But yeah, I think uh, the summer shandy is is a must-have because we're nearing the end of the summer, so you got to make the most of it. And uh, I think, uh, you know, the burgers and hot dogs are pretty are pretty standard. So I think if you can, like, spice it up with some wings, that will really kind of set things right. apart. That's kind of kind of my go-to. What about you? What what are you, like, craving on a Labor Day weekend picnic? On a Labor Day weekend. So pie is definitely up there. Do enjoy some ice cream cake. So my family, like, on my mom's side is very big into sweets. So there's like, that's one day a year where I like, I have a bunch of desserts. So always excited for that. My dad uh, bought a smoker when I graduated high school. Ooh. So he's been very into like smoking brisket and Labor Day is usually the one weekend a year where I get brisket. So really looking forward to that. 
Can't go wrong with mac and cheese if it's a good mac and cheese. Put in some uh, tapatio sauce. Spice it up a little bit. Dang, Vince. It, you're making me hungry just talking about this. Yeah, it's like it's like 10 o'clock on a Wednesday night and we're like getting hungry all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> I do also like what Bill does with the fries. He puts the old bay in the fries. So that gives it a little bit of flavor. Yeah, get get a little bit of that uh, chicky and Pete's vibe. So for uh, just for the record, Bill is my dad. So so actually, that's actually a good note. So one thing that we're going to be introducing this season for home games is a segment that we affectionately call Bill and Fred's Excellent Tailgate. And the reason why we call it that is because uh, my dad, Bill, and his good friend, Fred, uh, run one of the best tailgates. I won't find a better one. Yeah. Anywhere. So we want to get them on the podcast, have them share uh, some of their tailgating tips, uh, talk a little bit about what's on the menu, because uh, my dad is no slouch as a cook, but Fred is just an absolute mastermind with a deep fryer. We're going to get them on, kind of get their predictions for some of these games, get their thoughts on the team. So um, you'll get uh, you know a variety of voices outside of the lovely dulcet tones of mine and Vince's voice. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, look forward to that. But yeah, Vince, I think uh, we're good to wrap. Anything else you want to mention here? Really excited for kickoff. Can't, in the words of Mark Scott, can't wait. And we want to remind you all that we are the Nittany Blues Podcast. See you next time.